You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to a short week with Thanksgiving on the horizon here on the Steve Day Show. That would be me. Todd and Aaron are here as well. If you want to join us live on the Blaze on demand at CRTV, 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us there. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And for those of you listening later today on the podcast and iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We got a lot to get to today, so let's get right to it. We begin, as we always do, with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the fires. Wildfires in California have now claimed the lives of at least 76 people, with 993 still unaccounted for. As of Sunday night, two-thirds of the blaze had been contained after consuming over 150,000 acres. Mexican citizens demonstrated in the streets of Tijuana yesterday, calling for Honduran illegal immigrants to get out of their country Who knew Mexican citizens could be white nationalists? Yeah. Behold, the singularity. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming. I I just want to say something very briefly, and that is uh, I want to thank all of my colleagues in the press who supported us this week. And I want to thank the judge uh, for the decision he made today. And let's go back to work. Thank Thank you. That is indeed the singularity of journalism is magical and not at all broken. You got it. A judge appointed by Trump ruled that the White House can't just revoke Jim Acosta's hard pass for press events. The White House originally said they were just going to go along with the court, but the Washington Examiner is reporting this morning that they're moving to suspend his press pass again. Speaking of the White House, Chris Wallace interviewed President Donald Trump over the weekend. There are a number of stories out there that you're angry about the midterms, about your treatment in the media, about the way uh, you were treated when you were in Paris. One story even said that you were in a, quote, cocoon of bitterness and resentment. We'll get into all the details later, but how dark is your mood? Uh, It's very light. And that's all you need to know about that interview. A U.S. congressman joked about nuking American citizens if they don't hand over their firearms. It would be a short war, my friend. The government has nukes, too many of them, but they're legit. I'm sure if we talked, we could find common ground to protect our families and communities. Georgia's Democratic gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams conceded the race to her Republican counterpart, well, kind of. I acknowledge that former Secretary of State Brian Kemp will be certified as the victor in the 2018 gubernatorial election. But to watch an elected official who claims to represent the people in this state baldly pin his hopes for election on the suppression of the people's democratic right to vote has been truly appalling. So let's be clear. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. 
As a woman of conscience and faith, I cannot concede that. Newly minted social justice warrior Kirsten Powers, ladies and gentlemen. And they'll say, well, I'm not racist. I just voted for him because, you know, I, I, I didn't like Hillary Clinton. Uh, and I just want to say that that's not... That doesn't make you not racist. It actually makes you racist. If you support somebody who does racist things, that makes you racist. So I just want to establish that. As for why white women do it, I think we have to recognize that white men are doing it as well. But I think sometimes we would hope that we would get better behavior from white women because white women are themselves oppressed and that they would therefore be able to uh, align themselves with other oppressed people. But I think we have to remember that the white patriarchal system actually benefits white women in a lot of ways. And they're attached to white men who are benefiting from the system that was created by them, for them. Mm-hmm. And, is, and their fathers and their husbands and their brothers um, are benefiting from the system. And so they are also benefiting. So white women are oppressed, but they're not oppressed enough to not also show the world that they're flaming racists. Got it. Here's another preview of America's future. Is that should we, and if we work our butts off to make sure that we take back all three chambers of Congress, uh, rather all three chambers of government, the presidency, the Senate, and the House in 2020, we can't start working in 2020. Don't laugh. In left America, that makes total sense. Cuba's most famous transgender drag queen has a message for Trump. Lift the embargo. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. You know, if you get Cuba's second most famous drag queen to speak up, then I think we can say for sure we officially have a movement now. Men, let's get to it. You know, each year we have a theme on the show. And, you know, this year's theme has been worldview. And and when we have these themes, what we mean is they don't just like go away the next year. It's just what we're it's you know, every year, like the officials in every sport get together and this is their point of emphasis. It doesn't mean it's the only set of rules they're emphasizing. It just means based on recent activity of what's going on in the games, they think this particular rule requires an emphasis. Right. And that's always gone so well for NFL officials. <laughs> right. So our point of emphasis this year has been worldview in light of what we've seen transpire the last couple of years. Get back to basics, you know? Um, You know, the point of emphasis in 2016 was Americanism 101, and we took the audience through Cleon Skousen's 5,000-year leap, chapter by chapter, page by page, for an entire year. Uh, the, The theme this year has been worldview. And so if you listen and watch this show every day, if you're familiar with Dr. Skousen's work, you still see that we touch upon many of those themes. Um, but it, but it's just not what we've emphasized, but it doesn't get abandoned at the same time. Next year, worldview will, of course, remain one of the uh, things that are the most important and fundamental to the show. But we're going to emphasize just calling everybody on their horse plate. I've already made that decision. And normally, I ask, we all get together and have like a meeting and I buy pizza for everybody and we put our hands heads together and brainstorm it out, right? I'm just going to, I think, and I think you're going to be okay with it. Just we're, apocalypse we're, now. We're, we are literally on everybody. We're literally, that's horse bleep. That's horse bleep. No, they don't believe that. That's total horse bleep. And that's all, we're, that's our, well, it's not all we're going to do, but it's what we are primarily going to focus on in 2019 is just calling BS. Okay. Cause the amount, and we're going to get a head start right now. 
the amount of horse pucky throughout the course of that montage. A couple of things. One, tomorrow's fake news or not is going to focus squarely on clips from the Trump Chris Wallace interview. If for no other reason of you want to talk about singularities, obnoxious meeting obnoxious requires a time to set aside and break it out. <laughs> what happens when the insufferable meets the insufferable? All right, that's tomorrow's fake news or not. Um, the other thing, the Ocasio-Cortez, I, I'm beginning to wonder, do we take her more seriously than Democrats do? Because we love, we, we, we are, as conservative media, we are a reactionary beacon. We are often reacting to the other side. We are we were created to counter their narrative that dominated mainstream media. And so I, I you know, I, I don't know. I've I've got Democrat friends, family members. None of them have ever said to me, ever, well, Steve, you know, I was on Lena Dunham's Twitter account. Yet yeah, that that I've never have you ever heard that from your Democrat friends or family? I don't know. I'm asking, have you? No. None of them have ever said, well, you know, I kind of see it the other way because of something Melissa Milano said. Aaron, have you run into that at all? Not to my recollection. No. I, I only know what, I, I didn't even know who Lena Dunham was until conservative media Twitter. I'm like, who is this Lena Dunham that they're reacting to all the time? And why don't I know who it is? Right? I, I didn't know Alyssa Milano had been relevant since, you know, she helped inspire many a young man in our generation's puberty, Todd. I, I, were you aware of what she's been doing for the last 10 years? I had not. Been. Other than getting, a, you know, the ship in Guardians of the Galaxy named after her. Were you, did you know what she was up to? I, I didn't know. You know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they do think she's important. I, I am beginning to wonder if this is, if Ocasio-Cortez is, we just need somebody to troll. And we need some clickbait. And as one of our listeners famously put it recently, that bait ain't going to click itself, right? So we need some clickbait. And she's obviously, between the Miss Teen South Carolina Act and the openly avowed socialism, you know, she is a convenient target. So we're going to debate that today on the roundtable at CRTV. So we're going to table that as well. Um, later in this show, we're going to have plenty to say about the Acosta-Trump thing. Because there's, there's, there's two aspects of that story that I think need to be tackled. One is... At what point, what what could judges could decree? And we'll talk about this in the next segment with our friend Bob Vanderplotz because he helped to spearhead something that had never happened before and still has never happened since in American history. I was a part of that effort as well. We fired Supreme Court justices by popular referendum in our state back in 2010, not because of, you know, illicit behavior or corruption, but because of the malfeasance of their legal opinions. And I'm just wondering at what point... What if if the judges decreed all Republicans have to get forcible castrations? Do we just uh, all reach for the knife the next day and somebody at National Review or the Weekly Standard or probably both writes the Weeping Willow column about how judges haven't stayed should stay in their lane? But alas, we must comply. What what could they conjure up before someone will say no? We're gonna talk about that in a few minutes. Later in the show, we're going to play a little game of true-false. Um, and one of the statements, I'll give you guys a tease, is what happened to Trump on Friday with your own judge saying that there's a constitutional right for your nemesis to have a press pass. Is that the worst and most humiliating cucking 
any politician in modern times has ever received in public. We will discuss and debate that as well coming up later. But with keeping of today's theme, giving you a little tip of what 2019 will be like, where we're just calling everybody on their BS. Let's begin with Kirsten Powers. Okay. I, I can promise you she doesn't believe that, which was in that clip. I can promise you she doesn't believe it. Now, I've never met her. I did get a couple of calls from her during the 2012 Iowa caucus cycle. So just being in full disclosure, she was working for Fox News at the time and was looking for, you know, intel, basically background information. And I get, you know, when there's an Iowa caucus or something happening major politically in my backyard, I get all kinds of calls from media right and left people that just kind of want to know what the lay of the land is so they can, give, they can do their best to go on TV and give the most intelligent uh, uh, take they can with the most recent information. That's all. I have, I have no other relationship with her at all. Everything else I know, I've never met her in public. She probably couldn't pick me out of a police lineup. Although I did see that she, the other day, that she followed me on Twitter, which I was actually not aware of. Um, other than that, all I know is she used to work for Bill Clinton, right? At a Christian conversion, went to work for Fox. As, you know, all these cable networks kind of have their tokens of the other side to give them some, you know, street cred of objectivity. So she was the token Democrat on Fox for a few years, right? Yes. While she was there, she wrote a book saying, you know, not every Christian you disagree with, my fellow Democrats, is a bigot, right? Okay. And now she's on. So let me just follow the train of thought here. Goes to Fox while they're paying her, has a Christian conversion. And it just so happens to coincide with a majority of, of the audience that she's responsible in pleasing to get a paycheck she suddenly discovers that after years of working with Democrats, her new Republican audience who's feeding her and giving her a platform are not a bunch of racists. Am I correct so far? Thinking about parking. Okay. Then she goes to CNN and suddenly discovers when she's working with that network that's handing her a paycheck um, that, yes— all of the people who watch Fox News and One America News and The Blaze and CRTV, et cetera, Daily Wire, pick one, or all, we are all racist now. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. Now, I'm not suggesting that the Christian or any of these other conversions are fake. I'm just simply laying out a timetable that's quite interesting, and it's timing. And you are welcome on your own it's just that's one hell of a bell curve and it's fascinating how it seemingly coincides consistently with who's signing the check because let's face it, we have we have no evidence we have no evidence of people in conservative and culture or liberal media everybody um taking and, and saying things based on what will get them a platform at the time, right? I can't. Can you think we have anybody? Todd and I have Roll latitude tied. to to kind of you know push back on you. That's just preposterous, Steve. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, thank you. Completely yes. preposterous. It, it yes, it is. And I it, I shouldn't have even gone there. And I'm I'm sure, I'm sure, this is one time that it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it's a platypus or something, right? It could be. Could be. These are serious journalists. Steve. Yeah, yeah. This is a back very. Off. It's just a, just a really. 
it's a really eerie coincidence, and I'll leave it at that. Do you think Don Lemon, the moderator of that panel, would have allowed such things to be said unchecked? Do you really think that would happen? You know, I know. I mean, if you're gonna, you know, it's a that's a pretty that's a pretty dirty trick there, Erzin. Drop. I mean, you know, dropping the bazooka that is Don Lemon's noted integrity on me uh, as a finishing shot. That's, yeah, you know, I mean, that's Hulk Hogan off the top rope. Okay, he, he so, only on on a cable news panel with three other people. He only let her go on for almost two minutes before cutting her off. So let's. And I don't, listen. I don't. And I don't want to impugn the character of a guy who says white men are the problem in this country, sure. and yep. then goes home at night and has sex with one on a regular basis. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, again, that's that's way too judgmental. That's too judgy. Uh, too judgy out there. That's too judgy of me. So I'm. I'm sure this is all on the up and up. But I. I am confident in in casting aspersions towards her motives on intersectionality and social justice warrior street cred. I'm 100% confident she doesn't really believe that. And here's how. If she really believed that white women are also guilty of taking advantage of white privilege, then she would resign her paid contributor position at CNN and hand it over or at least give a fighting chance for a qualified person of color to have that position instead. Stacey Abrams needs a job. We just learned that. That's right. She doesn't believe that. We're going to get to Stacey Abrams in a minute, by the way. She doesn't believe that. She doesn't believe that. She may even think she believes it. But she doesn't. That's, go further with that. Because I, Here, that's here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing. It, I'm, a, I'm, I'm about to please my Catholic friend. Faith without works is dead. Dead. So you can confess lots of things with your mouth, but if I look and there is nothing there that shows that you believe this, am I supposed to go just take your word for it? No, I don't. You know a tree, Aaron, by its what? Fruit. By its fruit. And so what I see is a woman claiming that she herself is blinded by white privilege and yet continues to be a white occupier, continues to occupy a space that could have otherwise gone to a minority woman. So she may think she believes that. Like you may think I'm not male, except when we look at your chromosomes, you is. You may think with all your mind and with all your heart, I can jump off a building and soar on the wings of eagles. But it doesn't change the fact you don't have wings. So what's Ben Shapiro's famous tagline? What's his money line? What is it? Facts, Facts don't. don't care about your feelings. Right. So she may, she may even feel it intently. But the fact is she doesn't really believe it. Because what you act upon is what you truly believe. That is true. There are seven and a half billion people on planet Earth. That's true for every last one of them that has full cognitive reasoning ability. And it doesn't matter their language. It doesn't matter their custom. It doesn't matter their culture. It doesn't matter their, which of their 57 genders Facebook's decided now are possible. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter their religion or lack thereof. 
That is philosophy, human ethics 101. How, what you ultimately act upon is what you actually believe, period, end of sentence. If she really believed this, she would have said, and that's why, Don, in good conscience, I, I just, I shouldn't be on this platform, and I'm resigning my commission here on CNN. I've had way too much white, I mean, look how mediocre I am, and I've got to work at a White House. I've now worked for two major cable news networks, and I think we both know that it, it ain't based on talent and skill. It's time so, for you to stop being a beneficiary of the yes, male patriarchy. Yes, it, 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 she is. She's either, she's either lying to herself or to you. What you act upon is what you believe. If she really believes an election has been stolen from her, why isn't she demanding that the Georgia Democratic Party step in and refuse to accept the, standard, the, the results of this election? Why isn't she all over the news this morning? Why isn't she demanding those racist Republicans? Where's the, feder- where's the federal lawsuit saying that her civil rights have been violated? Have there been any such actions? I think it's probably waiting for all that legal follow-up to the Kavanaugh mess to yes. uh, get done with. Because same thing with the Kavanaugh thing. Yeah. You, you don't don't text me the next. Don't tweet. Don't send me any more notes. Roy Moore is a pedophile and Brett Kavanaugh is a rapist. You don't believe that. You don't. Because if you did, you'd call the local authorities and demand that they act. There's no statute of limitations on sexually assaulting minors in Alabama. And likewise. Um, there's no statute of limitations on what Brett Kavanaugh is alleged to have done in Georgetown in 19, in the summer of 82 either. So call the police. Why are you calling me? Yeah. If you know for sure. Yeah. Emphasis on for sure, which many people, uh, apparently do. If you know for sure, you'd be calling somebody. Yes. You don't believe it. You know, you just want a political talking point. Let's just be honest. You just want one. So Stacey Abrams is a liar. She's again, either lying to herself or she's lying to us. Either I don't know. Now that I don't know which it is. I'm not God. I can't read her heart. I'm not embedded. I'm not, you know, able to 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 peer into her consciousness. I don't know which it is. I don't know whether it's self-delusion or the grand illusion. I don't know. And that's not really for me to know. I'm I'm not divine. I'm merely human. And the standard, the the only man on planet Earth ever who was both fully divine and fully human, gave us a standard to know who's full of it and who's not. Okay? And what was the standard? By their fruit. Where's a fruit? What's a fruit? The result, the result of what's been planted. That's what a fruit is. The result of what's been planted. By their fruit, you will know them. She is taking no steps whatsoever. Well, Steve, the Georgia Democratic Party is concerned that this politically will blow up on them. So she's with a racist political party that wants her civil rights violated. So the Georgia Democratic Party didn't want to win the Georgia governor's race. The Georgia Democratic Party is totally okay with the fact that the election was stolen from them by Brian Kemp. Then I think her, her, she probably shouldn't be mad at Brian Kemp, who she should be mad at then, guys. Her own party. Yeah, her racist Democratic Party who was fine that a black woman got the election taken away from her fair and square and doesn't want her speaking up about it because of a backlash. I think that's probably your larger story, right? Again, I'm just, I have reached negative integer tolerance. Negative integer. Like, what do I mean by that? I mean that if I'm at the point now that if I don't push back against all the feces that is freely flowing, like like I'm going to have an allergic reaction now. Like, I have to do it for my, 
I wish I could say I'm doing it for you. I have to do it for me. Like, I'll be, I'll have like irregular bowel syndrome. Like, I can't sleep at night. Like, hives, palpit. There's so much feces flowing from the pie holes of nearly everyone that I just feel like if I just don't sit here now and just start calling, put on the umpire shirt and call balls and strikes, I, I can't abide. The dude can't abide. So I'm going to do this next year for my own ability to, to sleep better at e- in the evening, to go home and put this aside and not have any hanging you know, uh, participles or uh, common denominators that went unsolved. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to just sit here and just say, I don't care if none of you like me. Someone just has to be the person to tell you you're absolutely full of it. And by golly, guys, I've just decided I'm going to, I'm nominating myself for the job, if you're okay with that. You're just a slightly edgier Buddy the Elf. You sit on a throne of lies. Yes! (laughs) Thank you. One of the greatest movies of all time. So Kirsten Powers is a liar. She doesn't believe that. She's either lying to you or she's lying to us. I don't know which it is. I'm not God. I can't see into her heart. I can't read her thoughts. All I can just tell is when I do the math, two plus two equals what, guys? Four. So if she really believed that she was given credit and benefit because of white privilege, she would act on it. But she won't and hasn't. So she doesn't believe that. And if Stacey Abrams really believed that the election had been stolen from her, she would be demanding her party march into federal court challenge this on the basis of the violation of the civil rights, disenfranchisement of Georgia voters, etc. She's not doing any of that either. Total and complete horse pucky. It's not real at all. In the face of such brazen lying that you are now too far too in diagnosing, aren't you at least somewhat calmed by the fact that going into 2019, the leader of the opposition to that lying will be Kevin McCarthy? Oh, I know I am. <laughs> oh, no. There's a much, <laughs> see, you went there. Now I'm going to, now I'm really going to make people mad. I like okay. 2019. <laughs> there is a much better leader for the resistance to the chronic BS and lying we're talking about than Kevin McCarthy, gentlemen. And I think we all know who that is. Because if there is one you want to talk singularities. I'm coming over the top rope, McIntyre. This is a quantum singularity, brother. Oh, boy. Quantum singularity. Four-dimensional singularity? You want, to, you want to talk quantum singularities when it comes to just spewing forth BS, as Eddie Murphy once put it, and you know that I know, and I know that you know, right? I mean, we all know. And you know, and I know, and you know that I know. You're laughing because you remember that skid. We know, hamana, 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 this ain't real. We all know this, okay? If there is any of the seven and a half billion people on this earth who has shown more mastery of chronic, systemic, fundamental feces flowage than the current president of the United States... I've yet to meet them. This is this is like this is like rolling into Yoda's pad and saying, you know, I think I might be better at this than you. No, you're not. You're not. You cannot get lower than Trump. You can't sink lower. You can't lie more. You can't be more shameless. You can't be more self-deceptive. You can't. You can't betray more people. You can't throw more people under the bus. You can't be more self-centered. It is simply 
impossible. It is not possible. <laughs> he is the quantum singularity of ego. He, meaning one ego to rule them all. To rule them all. There is no level of shame he will not plummet to. You simply can not. And if this is the way they're going to play the game, this is his game. It's his game. He is the Yoda. He is the Moses. He is the Ted freaking Williams, Roy Hobbs of this game. They're not going to beat him at this game. And what's so, It's his natural habitat. What, what were we talking about on Thursday or Friday? I mean, he is the incarnation of uh, postmodernism yes. too, which is this is just like going into the rolling into the shit. This is like this is like this is like an antelope leaving the herd and rolling up in the broad daylight in the middle of the Serengeti and saying, "You know, I don't really think that lion's that fast." It's a poor life decision. It won't work. It won't work. You want to know how you beat Trump? You beat him with the actual system, like they did on Friday. That's how you beat Trump. But you want to go outside the system? Oh, no. No. Nope. Nope. Cannot. You cannot be a better outlaw than Donald Trump. Impossible. Well, we hear a lot of talk these days about fake news, including on this show. One of the places where you see fake more than anything else is when it comes to health supplements, superfoods, etc. One of the things you need to do when you get that so-called superfood, turn over the back panel and, and see if the label says supplement facts on it. Because if it does, it means it's not made from real food. It's an extract instead. doesn't mean it's bad necessarily, but it's really not a superfood because it's really not a food. And that's why, you know, a, there was a, a group of physicians that came together and they wanted to design a superfood that was made of actual foods. They formed the company Brickhouse Nutrition and they're introducing their new product, Field of Greens. Now, when you turn over the label on your Field of Greens, it will actually say nutrition fact because it's made from real foods. One scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real certified vegan, vegetarian, USDA, organic fruits and vegetables complete with those antioxidants that definitely help to boost the immune system here, particularly this time of year with cold and flu season almost upon us. It's a daily clean green energy that fuels your body for a healthier and happier lifestyle. For a limited time offer, you can visit BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. And use promo Steve to get 15% off of your first order. Again, visit BrickHouseSteve.com. Use promo code Steve to get 15% off your first order. And today, you can begin experiencing a better you tomorrow. We welcome in our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from the Family Leader here on the Steve Day Show live on the Blaze on demand at CRTV. Good to see you, Bob. How are you? Good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving week. Glad to be here. So my question is, and this is this is going to be a show you and I have done before. Okay. Okay. But it's in our wheelhouse, and I know it, it's a hermeneutic you and I want to reset as often as we possibly can. So for the 74th time, Bob, let me ask you, over the last – Eight and a half years, you and I have uh-huh. done this show. Um, let me ask, what exactly could judges decree? Pick something. That our elected officials 
who claim to be for the Constitution and the rule of law would say, thanks for your opinion. This is basically a blog. And the answer is no. Because on Friday, we learned that you now have a, apparently you have a constitutional right to a press pass, which I wish somebody would have told me, you know, I'm wearing my Michigan throwback hockey jersey from back in the old CCHA days today, you know? So last year, Michigan was on its way to the Frozen Four, and it was in Minneapolis, only a few hours from where we live. And, you know, we've got this thing that we do on the side for fun, this Michigan podcast thing, and it's not massive, but, you know, it gets 10,000 or so views every episode on YouTube, which is pretty good. That's not counting the, you know, the, the, the podcast audience and stuff we have. That's, that's probably more views than your average, you know, column at uh, some small town newspaper in Michigan gets, right? Oh, sure. So I figured I'm, I'm, I want to go cover this. So I applied for credentials to go to the frozen four. This isn't exactly, by the way, a hot ticket item. It's not like, you know, there's 300 credentialed media at the, at the NCAA, NCAA Hockey Frozen Four, I would think there's plenty of seats. And they told me we didn't meet their criteria. Get out of here. For, for acquiring a press pass. So I'm guessing based on what happened on Friday, I should sue the NCAA? March into federal court. Sue. My civil rights were violated. I didn't get a press pass last March when Michigan made it to the Frozen Four. So at what point, even to the point of humiliation, there is no way to spin this. The president of the United States was utterly and undeniably humiliated last Friday. Humi- Forget politics. This is the dude code. Mm-hmm. Your own judge, Jimmy, kicks you by siding with your worst nemesis. Okay? And he gets to have press conferences on your lawn where, where it, and he accepts the, the, the lauds and platitudes of, of his peers. At what point, Bob, what, what could the judges say? That our elected officials would say, that's not the law. I'm not doing this. Thanks for your time and opinion. I dare you to do something about it. What do you think it'll take? Well, I would like to say... If, it, if it, Donald it, Trump's it, it, ego uh, won't even step in and say, I won't let you humiliate me like this, then what in the world could they do that we would say no to? Well, I have no idea. Is it killing babies? Because they didn't say no to that. Is it marriage between not a man or woman, but you make up the rules as you go for the institution of marriage? They didn't say no to that. And so now you get to a press pass, and you're right. My guess is, Steve, you'd like to go to a game in Columbus, Ohio this weekend, Michigan at Ohio State. Yeah, I'm just going to tell me, I've got a constitutional right to a seat in your press box. And you know what? And I need to be with you to be the color guy to you (laughs) to give some balance for Ohio State, right? But what they're going to say, no, you, you can't come in. So what it is is that you're right. The courts are our final arbitrator. That's what we've been told. That's what the the schools teach us. Whatever they say goes. Oh, it's not even final now. It's ultimate. It is ultimate. It's ultimate. And the thing about courts don't make law, the heck they do. They do it all the time. The courts make law. They do that. And so I think it was I think it was Ben Sass with the Kavanaugh hearing who gave a dissertation basically in his opening about the reason so much attention is given to the courts and the Supreme Court justice and the names that we all recognize now, like Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and will Ginsburg, you know, will she retire or will, will she make it this term? The reason so much, there, so much attention is given to them is because Congress won't do their job. So that's what you're asking. Will they do their job or won't do their job? And the answer to that is uh, they're not going to do their job. You were really at the tip of the sphere of something that happened in our state eight years ago now that I don't believe has happened at any point 
uh, before or since in American history, and that is a popular referendum to remove three state Supreme Court justices from the bench, not based off of um, moral turpitude or uh, corruption or ethical uh, malfeasance, but because of the malevolence of their actual opinions. Mm -hmm. And the arguments that you had to make to make the case for that historical effort is, is one of the things you had to do is make what the left hates, which are the slippery slope arguments, mm-hmm. which is you may not care about the definition of marriage now, but later on, if you accept the premise that anything they decree becomes the new law, sooner or later they will get around to doing something that you, do you, you, you don't like. Yeah, that you don't like and, and try to force it on you. Um, as unelected judges acting as if they're their own perpetual constitutional convention. And you know what's funny is when you look back and you and I, I mean, you spoke all over our state. I did weeks of shows leading up to that effort, laying all this out for thousands of people across the state of Iowa. It was the consummate air game ground game. And if you look at every slippery slope argument we ever made there, they've all come true. They've all come true. They've all come true because inevitably, if you tell people who are not elected that they get to act. Human history is it has proven this. If you tell people who are unelected and are not directly accountable to the people that there is no limit to their power, they're going to behave, Bob, as if there is no limit to their power. And that's what they want. At the end of the day, that is what they want. They want that unlimited uncheck on, on, on their power. So when you talk about the slippery slope arguments, the case that we would make, especially when we debated Two former Supreme Court justices, one former chief justice of the Supreme Court, saying, okay, so this is about marriage. Just forget about marriage. How about how you educate your children? Mm -hmm. You can no longer private school or homeschool because they all need to start at the same place, which is public school. And there's a lot of public school teachers and, and institutions that say, yes, that's right. It's a violation to private school or homeschool. Do the courts get to make that decision? Or in Iowa, just like any other state, but private property is a big deal here because of the, the agricultural state, the farmland. How about they decide, you know, that's no longer your property? Or how about it's your Second Amendment right? It's, I mean, you can extrapolate this to anything. If you give the courts that kind of a power, there is a slippery slope here, even now to what you're saying in regards to Jim Acosta's uh, credentials to cover the White House. There, there is simply no legal or constitutional standing for what they did here. Um. And they just did this because they could, because they don't like the, the president. Well, there's plenty of days I don't like the president either. But that's banana republic stuff. Exactly. We just changed. The, I mean, we, we've had federal courts in the last two years and attempt to step in and say that despite the Constitution's clear provisions granting enforcement of American immigration law to the executive branch, the president can't enforce immigration law because we don't like the stuff he says about immigration in his speeches. That's not, that's not, that, that's, again, that is banana republic stuff. You, and, you and make you're, it you're up wel- as you go. Right, you're welcome to that opinion. And then you know what? Run for office. I mean, that, that's, that's not your job. And, and, you know, you've heard this term stare decisis. And when you talk to the, even the, the conservative lawyers at the Federalist Society and these other places, and they'll give you some long-winded, you know, poetic answer of what this really means. Let me tell you what it really means. Because again, we're giving you a preview of 2019. And our big theme in 2019 is what, guys? 
No horse bucking? We're just calling everybody on there. Uh, no BS. No BS will be tolerated at any point from any team, any jersey, any uniform, any friend, any relationship. I can't, I, I, I'm done with it. No more feces. We're just calling total BS. Here's what stare decisis really means, even from the conservative legal minds. Whatever the judges uh, decide they want to be the law is now the law. That's what it really means. And you know, who, Maybe it meant something else 80 years ago, but that's not what it means now. But you know who made that decision? We're courts, mm-hmm. we're lawyers, mm-hmm. we're judges. Mm-hmm. They made that decision. So even in the famous you know, Marbury case, the reason they like it is, well, they, they, they ruled that they get the final rule. I was shocked that the Supreme Court ruled that it had a jurisdiction. The court, the Constitution didn't grant it. Are you shocked yeah, by that uh, news? Uh, no, yeah, really. My, my guess is go, go to Trump today. Would you like to make sure you're the final rule, you're the final arbitrator? He would say, yes. The fact is he's not, and neither is the, the, the court system. And that's why Congress needs to step up and do its job of saying, thank you for your opinion, not on my watch. The one time it happened in our history that we all point to is Dred Scott with President Lincoln, where he said, you know, I'm glad you believe that blacks are property, but that's, uh, I'm not abiding by that. And there came the Emancipation Proclamation. That's leadership that we'd like to see in our culture today. Matter of fact, we're talking about that, Steve, right now, just to make it applicable in the state of Iowa, because the state of Iowa Supreme Court now says they went beyond Roe v. Wade. They said you have a constitutional foundational right to abortion found in the Iowa's Constitution, where the same writers of that Constitution, just weeks later, who also held elected office, made sure that abortion was illegal in the state. There's no common sense here whatsoever, but if you're a court, and if it's an evolving standard, and you just want, that's what Hillary Clinton argued in the, in the third mm-hmm. debate. If it's an evolving standard, let's find out how the world operates and how the world works. That just says whoever happens to be the five of the nine, the four of the seven, that's your law. Get rid of Congress. Get rid of legislators. Get yeah, rid what's of the, the point? Why, why yeah, we're, not even, we're not even arguing judicial review now. I mean, I, you invoked Marbury versus Madison. We are so beyond that. We're not even having a Marbury versus Madison. We're, this is judicial overview, where they are the ultimate. They're like Inspector 12. Like there's no point in another two branches of government where they're not even giving their opinion or interpreting things. They are demanding and decreeing them in, in dominance of the other two branches. We have, we have we, I'd love to argue Marbury versus Madison. We're way beyond that now, Todd. Way beyond it. Well, you say there's no common sense. What there is is a will to power. That's exactly sure right. Sure it is. And it's I human think nature. The supreme irony is that maybe we're probably two to four years away when the conversation is finally had about uh, uh, judicial supremacy. And it's going to happen if this court, alt- and we have a few more placements, and it is genuinely conservative or more conservative than it's ever been in recent history. And we have a Democrat in that White House. You are going to see that Democrat, instead of a Republican, say, the courts don't have that power. That's what's going to happen. It's going to be a joke when we had opportunity after opportunity to set a precedent, to set a fight, and then we are going to get rolled on it by a yeah. Democrat president. And, the, and they're waiting to have that argument. The thing is, I'd like to see the conservative court. Let's say Trump gets one or two more appointments, and we do get conservative justices in there. Say we get uh, Amy Barrett in there as well. I would love to have the court say, we don't have that power. That's not our call. 
Well, they're going to have to. That's going to be the moment that, I'm talking but about. But here's yeah. the thing. Except here's what's happening. If hap- you believe human will is only restricted yeah. to liberal courts, yeah. I don't believe Neither that for a second. I. It yeah. is they Total they want the power as well. Wear a uniform, okay? Right. Um, it has its own uniform. Here and, and so here's what we've seen. The the last Supreme Court nominee, we all just had a civil war over, which I helped fight too because I believed in what we were fighting it about. But he's the guy that literally created a, a judicial roadmap to save Obamacare. That then his now boss, Chief Justice John Roberts, emulated from uh, on the federal on the Supreme Court. What John Roberts did twice is. Oh, the Obama administration lawyers went in there five years ago when they had the hearing on the first Obamacare uh, challenge and said that the mandate was not a tax because it would be political death to them for the mandate to be defined as a tax. Okay, so they were adamant. The administration's lawyers, the mandate is not a tax. John Roberts went out there and rewrote the Obamacare mandate and, cl- and called it a tax on his own by fiat. And then when we had the second uh, Obamacare challenge where uh, Obamacare, because of the laws of federalism, could not force a state that didn't want to set up an exchange with for Obamacare's uh, insurance market. Uh, if, if a state didn't want to set it up, and we had so many Republican governors around the country, and many of them were trying to run for president, Bobby Jindal, Scott Walker, a whole bunch of them said, we're not setting up Obamacare exchanges in our state. And what happened is the feds came in. And set up the markets in the states themselves in total violation of you want to talk starry decisis. <laughs> what is it? What what's an older precedent in American jurisprudence than federalism? And according to our it's the it's the bedrock of our constitutional system. John Roberts took a look at that and said, Well, state exchange doesn't actually mean what you think it means. It, it that the, the federal government comes in and does the exchange in your state, it now becomes a state exchange. It, it, it he, me- now he's re- now he rewrote the damn dictionary. <laughs> it means what we want that, it and to that's, mean. That's what this means. You had it right, will to power. Here's something I want our audience to never forget these words. We are not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We've always been a nation of political will, and we always will be. See, that's the issue. There is not the political will. There's, there's too many people on the right that are from the, are from the traditional legal community. And, and this, is the, this is what you get if you read National Review or Commentary or Weekly Standard. There's a lot of really good people that work at those places. We had Noah, I, I would urge our audience was about, how many, was, was it earlier this year? We had Noah Rothman from Commentary Magazine on, right. or was it last year? It might I think be it was more last than a year, year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Having this very conversation. And I asked, and I kept asking him, tell me what the courts could say you would say no to. And in the end, when it came to the idea of I, if whatever, he could not get in his mind that we can defy the courts. Because in his, in his mind, that's lawlessness. No, lawlessness is when you let people who are not accountable to the law by the people who determine the rule of law decide for themselves based on nothing other than whim, desire, and I want to what the law is. That's lawlessness. Spanking those people and resetting the law back to where it goes, that's not the lawlessness. Walking around as if anything these guys, any turd they squeeze from a butt cheek is the law, that's the lawlessness, Bob. It is, and and that's where Jefferson, quite frankly, was was a prophet in this whole deal, saying his his biggest concern was that you would get a court with unchecked power. He called it tyranny. He called it oligarchy. And I'm telling you, that is where we're at today. That's why there's so much emphasis on the courts, not just at the federal level with the U.S. Supreme Court, but it's also at the state level. 
It is a big issue. And quite frankly, it is one of the reasons why Trump is president today versus Hillary Clinton is being president today. The issue of the courts. And yet, for years and years and decade after decade, we've been voting Republican for good judges. And on Friday, his own judicial appointee oh, sure. just literally makes up you have a constitutional right to a press pass. You go right back to human will, though, Steve. I mean, if they've got the power, they want the power. Yeah. Well, what I say goes. And that's why I really I – mean, if you could put it up on, on your uh, website, your show place someplace. But Ben Sass, his opening re- remarks at the Kavanaugh hearing, and Ben Sass is an educator. He's a teacher. I'm not saying I'm endorsing Ben Sass for everything. But boy, did he! But in the interest lay of calling, in the out. interest of calling BS, if Ben Sass really believed that, what's he done in the Senate to limit the jurisdictional you're, you're authority exactly of right. courts? Because it's one thing to I'll say. I'll tell you what he's done. Not a damn yeah. thing. Here's the one thing: you lay it out, but now be able to follow it up. Yes. And matter of fact, call out your peers to follow it up as well. Bob, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Hey, guys, hey. happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. Have a good <laughs> holiday. All right, we come back with our two good friend of mine. He is a newly elected member of Congress. Chip Roy is going to join us, and we're going to play a little game of true and false. That's coming up. Hour two, live in the blaze on demand at CRTV. Stay tuned. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number here live on the Blaze on Demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Welcome to Hour 2. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. You can also let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. For those of you listening on the podcast later, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you do listen to the podcast, if you can leave us one of those five-star reviews, if you haven't done so yet, We would greatly appreciate that because it helps to get the word out about the show. Now, if you don't like the show, I mean, we wouldn't ask you to lie for us. We might ask you, though, you know, in the spirit of the Christmas season, maybe keep that to yourself. Uh, Also, click that subscribe button if you haven't done that yet either. I'm a podcast consumer myself, so when I'm looking for new stuff, a lot of times I'll look and see, hey, who's catching on, who's building an audience, and usually give that uh, podcast kind of first dibs for my time, so... That helps us as well. Thank you to all of you that have left those reviews and subscribed already. We greatly appreciate it. What I don't appreciate is our uh, our next guest here today. Because about a year ago, I, I gave him what I thought was really good advice. Probably the people he's about to represent there in his suburban Texas district are glad he, he didn't take it, though. I told him, don't run. It's not The system's not worthy of your time. You did your tour of duty in Washington. You beat cancer. You, you did the commute between Texas and D.C. You've done enough. And the chances that the Republican Party in its current state will allow you to do anything worthy of the sacrifice are slim and none. He didn't take my advice. And now look what happened. Chip Roy is a congressman-elect. This is what happens when people don't take my advice. They get elected to very high offices in government, Chip, and I'm, I'm resentful. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, Steve. And uh, you know what? Your advice uh, was uh, steeped in profound wisdom. Uh, but some of us are just stubborn and pig headed <laughs> enough to try to keep uh, banging our head against the public policy wall. But, you know, you and I both believe as uh, men of faith, uh, both in, the, in our Heavenly Father as well as in freedom, that we're going to keep fighting finish the race as uh second timothy 4 7 calls us to do and so we will uh we'll keep marching forward tell us about your race and what you saw on election day 
with, I think a lot of people were shocked at how close the Beta O'Rourke Ted Cruz race was. And for people that don't know, you used to be, I think, Ted's chief of staff, right? On, uh, on Capitol Hill, if memory serves. And when I talked to uh, some of Ted's campaign people a few months ago when the polls showed that race was close, they never thought they were going to lose, but they were kind of concerned that if they didn't win that by seven points or more statewide, it may cost them some, uh, a couple of House seats, maybe uh, even some promising state legislative suburban seats. And I'm wondering if maybe you guys saw how close that race was factor or filter down into how close your race was on Election Day. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, obviously, I'm uh, pretty close with Senator Cruz and, and uh, some of the folks that uh, work with him. And uh, that race obviously was close. A uh, number of us that were looking at it recognized that there was a likelihood that it could be based on the turnout, based on the numbers, based on the overwhelming assault on Texas from outside money, from uh, special interest focus on trying to flip Texas. We know it's been on the radar screen for years now. So they decided this was the year to try to do that and, and, and put full force behind it. We saw it have an impact, obviously. We saw a couple of congressional members get taken out. But, uh, you know, here's what I, my two cents on this is. is uh, I'm actually proud of Texas. Texas standing up on the wall, standing on the line, pushing back against an incredible onslaught of $70 million. The Better Work campaign spent $4 million on signs alone, just signs blanketing the state. Hmm. They had something like 800 people or, or, or something like that on payroll compared to, you know, a few dozen that Senator Cruz had on payroll. And that was the magnitude of what was faced. So I think the Republicans got the uh, kind of swift kick in the pants, wake up call they need to uh, organize better. Uh, but the swift kick in the pants that was more needed that we'll see if they take is that they need to lead. They need to lead on the things the American care about. They need to inspire the American people. They need to win minds and hearts. And I'm afraid that the lesson that's been learned in Washington, based on my observation of a week up there so mm -hmm. far, is that they have not learned that part of the message. And that is what I intend to fight to do, help them understand that they've got to lead and to uh, make people want to follow them and not just follow them because they're Democrat light. The, the, the lessons of that campaign and what they mean nationwide, and for, for folks that have never really done the math— I mean, if, if, if Texas were to go blue, that would be almost 70% uh, or I'm sorry, almost 50% of the total electoral college votes the Democrats would need from California. No, it is 70%. California, New York, and Texas uh, by themselves, which means it's, it's not insurmountable. But what, what a Republican would have to do to win a presidential election is basically run the table. There would be zero margin for error there. So the stakes politically between the two sides are quite high. Beto O'Rourke as a candidate, was he a better candidate than, say, Wendy Davis? Because she got a bunch of media love, media hype. Uh, she was a cover girl. She raised a bunch of money. And Greg Abbott absolutely annihilated her. So I, I the reason, so that's why I'm asking that, is if, if she was a better candidate, then... That factors into part of why the race was closer than expected to. He just may have been a, a better candidate than people thought. But if not, then then kind of it looks like there's a, there's a two-edged sword here. One is a lack of accomplishments in Washington depressed the Republican base at a time the Democrat base and the party that's out of power always is at max lit in these midterms. So you have, you have a combination of the Democrats put going all in 
to try and flip this state. Maybe Republicans getting complacent nationally thinking, hey, that's kind of our home HQ. There's no way we're going to lose it. And then at the same token, not you know putting the accomplishments uh, you know on the scoreboard that fire up their base. So kind of do the math on those four things if you could for us, Chip. Well, sure. There's a lot in there, uh, but it's important. And this is the kind of conversation that I, we ought to be having. And, and frankly, let me just take one side note to say, and we'll come to this in a minute, what I was frustrated not to be having in my first week in Washington. I'll come back to that in a minute. Focusing on what I think you want to get at. Uh, first, uh, Congressman O'Rourke, uh, in many ways, ran a uh, very competent and good campaign to the extent that you're trying to target Texas. Uh, you know, they did a lot early on to blanket the state, to create momentum, did, I think, a good job branding, and I think tried to stay above the details and the depth of policy that they knew would run afoul of the average Texas voter, particularly Republicans, but even across the state, an overall conservative state. And they did a pretty good job of trying to keep it light and stay above it and, and make it more of a trendy mm-hmm. hipster, let's get behind the new guy. Where Wendy uh, Davis was birthed out of the culture war as abortion Barbie, in other words. So she could never really do that. She was branded from the beginning, right? That, that's right. Okay. She made her brand. She did it right out of the gate. And 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 Congressman O'Rourke didn't really have that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, now, when you peel back the onion and you look at the policy positions that he's actually taken and he stood for, then it would be highly out of step with the average Texas voter. But a lot of his popularity was baked in early by people who just kind of bought into the hype of wanting a new fresh face and, and uh, doing something different. And as part of the, to the, the other part of your question, it's part of the midterm reaction to the president. And, uh, and look, let's be honest, uh, as I've said repeatedly on the campaign trail, the president doesn't always do things the way I would do them or tweet things the way I would tweet them. You've been very open and honest about some of the concerns and what impact that might have. But when you combine uh, better, uh, Congressman running that kind of campaign with the natural midterm cycle and some of the President Trump's uh, uh, the, the views by the people and President Trump wrapped into that with the third component that I think you were addressing, which was that Republicans did as a group didn't at a national level give any reason for people to want to support them as a group. Those that like what has been accomplished like uh, what's been accomplished despite Congress, right? Mm-hmm. They like getting out of the clean power plan. They like getting out of the a so-called Paris Agreement. They like good judges. They like some of the things that's been happening on the regulatory front. Very little of that, if any, frankly, other than a tax bill that was uh, sort of meant for the average voter. Uh, the tax bill was the only thing that Congress really got accomplished, at least certainly the House side. So if you want to see the impact, we're going to have lost almost 40 seats in the House of Representatives, mm-hmm. still being counted, obviously, and frankly, only picked up two seats in the Senate, which many tout as a huge victory. But when you look at the favorability of the map, uh, I think this was a strong rebuke of Congress. I think it was a proper rebuke of Congress. Uh, and I think that if we want to win minds and hearts, if we want to regain seats, then we've got to get busy leading instead of immediately uh, falling into the trap of thinking we can buy votes by just raising more money or outstructuring the Democrats when, in fact, we need to give people a reason to get behind us. Congressman-elect Chip Roy is our guest here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV here on The Steve Day Show. So along the lines of what you just said, about a month ago, I wrote a piece for Conservative Review, kind of using my state's Republican governor as an archetype for the kind of campaign 
that you were just criticizing, which is what are your accomplishments? Um, she was running your typical uh, Republican establishment, swampy consultant uh, attack ads against her, her Democratic opponent, who's one of the most successful business families in my state, created thousands of jobs for decades. And she was hitting him from the left for essentially being a good businessman and getting rid of people when, he, when they weren't doing their job and couldn't afford them. And I'm watching this, I'm like, Do you recognize this is not a Democratic primary and the people that would respond to this kind of class warfare message when they show up at the polls, they're not voting for you, you know, and and I could see why she was doing it. She was she was trying to insulate herself from the Trump backlash, except there's no insulating yourself from it. As you like to say or said a minute ago, it was already baked into the formula. So you need to compensate for it by accentuating your message to the people that you could actually reach. And so what changed in the last week? She went hard pro-life uh, because he's also the former head of uh, Planned Parenthood in our home state. Uh, she did uh, myriads and dozens of, of interviews on Christian radio and stuff across the state, reminding people uh, of the heartbeat bill that she signed. Uh, she mentioned that life was the only thing that she would not give up on in the one debate that they had. And so lo and behold, on election day, she overperformed three Republican congressmen. Rod Blum lost. Um, <clears throat> David Young lost. So they're not going to be your peers when you get sworn in in January. Steve King will still be there. He won the only Republican district in my state by two points. All right. She overperformed all of them, even when they were dragging her ticket down and managed to win a race. No one thought she could win by highlighting her major conservative accomplishment and branding her opponent a liberal. The problem with Republicans trying to copy her efforts nationwide is, as you just said, the only damn thing they did in two years was a temporary tax cut. So what were they going to highlight against even somebody like Ted? What was he going to highlight against Beta O'Rourke that they did for the last two years? Nothing. Because they, their leadership wouldn't do anything that the base wanted for the last two years. And so they were left to just deal with this Trump backlash as its own singularity. And I think that's the biggest factor in what happened last Tuesday, Chip. Well, I think my observation uh, is that for whatever reason, uh, Republicans in Washington, even those in the House that have to go out and campaign and so they're out you know, in touch with voters – for whatever reason, they still get in the bubble mindset that they're going to win based on something as esoteric as a strong economy. Mm-hmm. Look, I get it. You know, we shouldn't have lost so many seats with a 4% economic growth economy. Mm-hmm. But does that strong economy really matter if you're paying $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 a month for health insurance that really isn't even taking care of your basic yep. month-to-month needs in the first place? Yep. And you're not even sure what doctors you're going to be able to get. You don't even know if you're going to be covered, and you're not even sure if you're going to be able to carry it from one job to the next, notwithstanding Obamacare's promises. Mm -hmm. The reality is that the average American, particularly if you want to talk about suburban uh, soccer moms or those that have concerns about health, uh, about the state of things, health care is central to that. And it does not matter if your take-home pay is going up. If you save $1,000 a year on taxes, that's real money, and I'm glad. But if you're now spending... $2,000, $3,000, $5,000 more in health insurance or health care, then that thousand bucks is just a small down payment on what you need to get back and which Republicans promised to do and then failed to do it. And, you know, I was very proud uh, last week to stand up and uh, offer the seconding speech in the nomination of Jim Jordan for minority leader. I pledged to support Jim Jordan months ago. He campaigned hard for me. He raised money hard for me. And as I said there, and I said in front of the conference, 
This wasn't about a personality issue with Kevin McCarthy or Jim or anybody else. What it was about was that Jim was right to say that we need to do what we say we would do and that that was where we failed. And I was proud to get up and talk about that. And in doing so, I made a simple point, which is that our country, we simply cannot look at things through the lens of uh, freedom and security and, uh, and, and not look at the failure that the Republicans uh, failed to carry out with respect to spending. You cannot be a secure country, a free country. You certainly cannot be a country of limited government if you're spending a trillion dollars a year more than you take in. Mm. You cannot be a secure country if your borders are wide open and the cartels have operational control of the borders. And you cannot be a free country if you are prohibited by federal law from being able to get the health care of your choice, all in the false name of providing coverage for pre-existing conditions, which it will not do in the end. Yet that is what the uh, legacy of the Republican Party is of the last two years or longer. Yeah, I mean, they, they wanted the conversation in the final week to be, we work for pre-existing conditions too, a, a form of universal health care. Listen, if you're going, it's similar to guns. You know, gun control may pull well nationally, but the people who tend to vote on the gun issue are on our side. So it's always an election loser. If, if, if you're making the argument that you, you want to, if you want the final argument to be about pre-existing conditions, you've lost the electorate then. Because if the healthcare debate is about that, as opposed to cost, I, and I'm glad you said what you said about the tax cut. I'm really, listen, I appreciate getting a hundred dollars more of my money back, take home and every paycheck, but compared to what my company for my healthcare and to cover Todd and Aaron, my full-time employees, what we are paying out that's that that's a drop in the bucket uh, for the rising cost of health care. So you mentioned you've been disappointed in how you've seen Republicans react to the election results in the last week. Go into detail on that. Why? Well, obviously, I always want to be careful about, you know, what meetings and discussions you have that are private. But I think it is very publicly documented and uh, and well um, known. But I'd like to put an exclamation point on it. The extent to which Republicans this last week, as they got together, went ahead and voted and had their organizational meetings. They did so in the Senate and they did so in the House. And what were the headlines? The headlines were GOP maintains relatively same leadership despite midterm thumping. Right. That was the actual headline in several at least of the D.C. rags. And I know that that was what was generally observed. And why was that observed? Because that's the truth. Now, I don't know about you. You're a big sports fan. I'm a baseball fan. You know, Buck Showalter was just shown the door at the Orioles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Orioles. I love baseball. Uh, Buck Showalter is a good man, and he did a lot of great things at Baltimore. I think he wasn't given the tools that he needed always to do the job. But at the end of the day, the Orioles went, I don't even remember their record, but 55 and a hundred, you know, or, and 107 or something horrible. So the manager was shown the door. And you have to ask yourself the question. What are we going to do differently than we did before when we're maintaining the same organizational structure and leadership? Mm. The only conversations that I heard this entire first week when we got there as freshmen to orient ourselves, quote unquote, was what do we need to do to figure out how to raise more money? How do we structure ourselves to combat all of the money that was flowing in for Democrats that was clearly making it difficult for Republicans? Well, that's a worthy conversation, but it is an irrelevant conversation if we do not address our fundamental flaws as a party and as a conservative movement that we refuse to stand up and offer something for the American people to get behind. 
to stand up and proudly defend freedom, to talk about the opportunities we can have if you're free to get the doctors of your choosing, the opportunities we can have if you can save money and go to health sharing ministries and keep insurance that is yours and you don't have to lose job to job, what we can do if we want to build bipartisan support to balance the budget. We should be able to do that on a nonpartisan basis. And we, the American people, ought to demand it, just like we did through cut, cap, and balance. I'm not in Congress to run for re-election. I'm in Congress to fight for freedom. And I don't care where that takes me electorally. I happen to believe it will bring future electoral success. But my job for the next two years is to represent the people of the 21st District of Texas and to fight for freedom in doing so. I'm glad you brought up the fundraising aspect. I, I tried to warn our audience, and you know, we, as our mutual friend Daniel Horowitz likes to describe it, much of what we do in conservative media is the peddling of political porn. All right, so we we treat conservatives like children, like they aren't capable of accepting complicated or or inconvenient truths, and and need to have belly rubbed and rubs and be told they're going to win every election, and if they don't, it's just because they were cheated out of it. Uh, so this talking point we had this whole 2018 cycle. Look at the uh, the DNCs. That's all. Not raising any money. I mean, what a joke this is. I mean, their party is not united. And yet, I'm watching John Ossoff in a in a Georgia district that Karen Handel uh, won, and she just lost it. By the way, I'm watching him in a special election. He got to one million individual donors faster than Barack Obama did when he ran for president in 2008. Uh, and that was just one special election district. You mentioned the money that Beto O'Rourke raised nationwide. See, what, what, see, their base has decided they're done letting the Debbie Wasserman Schultz DNC pick and choose their presidential nominees like she did in the last uh, election. Uh, so they're just going to bypass their swamp and just go to their candidates directly that fire them up and inspire them. Our base doesn't do that. And so the talking point that the DNC wasn't raising any money was simply not relevant even though it was a great clickbait headline for conservative media, it wasn't relevant, Chip, in the outcomes of any of these races because when you looked at what the individual candidates was raising, they, they were raising obscene amounts of money. And Mitch McConnell is saying, well, I want us to have our own Act Blue. Chip, Act Blue is the Democrat base. That's their grassroots. You, he, Mitch McConnell isn't going to get that money from the grassroots for no wall, amnesty, more spending, Obamacare stays, and $500 million more to Planned Parenthood. That's not how you're going to get your act read, Chip. I mean, they're, they, ha, they are raising that money from their base because they're serving their base. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I keep hearing all of these, um, you know, hand, all this hand wringing about what we need to do to have our own act blue. I mean, frankly, we've had significant success raising small dollar money uh, around candidates and individuals who stand up for what they believe in and stand up to do what they said they would do. Uh, uh, I'm not suggesting we don't need some reforms uh, to make sure that we can raise money more effectively. But I am saying that you're 100 percent right, that we must um, have a give our base, give our voters and not just the base, to be clear, inspire the American people to want to get behind us. I, Republicans have largely had control of the House of Representatives for what, 24 years. We had a cut. We had a break, obviously, in the beginning of the Obama administration. And then we had a couple of years. You know, now we've lost it. My point is just this. What over the last quarter of a century, with predominant Republican control, would you say we've done really well 
to mobilize voters to want to get behind it, Republican. Invade Iraq was the last time, and that was an unmitigated. That turned out to 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 be at least a, a neutral, and that's the best case description. That was a neutral transaction. Well, and stated differently, the last time I recall truly being inspired, other than stopping bad things that Republicans were doing, mm-hmm. is when the president of the United States, then President George W. Bush, stood on top of that pile. That was the last time mm-hmm. I recall being inspired. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that we shouldn't have a, a robust discussion about our engagement uh, in the Middle East. We should. And, and I think we ought to take another look at the AOMF and a whole bunch of other things. My point is much broader and much different. Why would the American people be excited to support Republicans? Judges? Okay. I mean, I'll spot that a little bit, but not as long as our friend Daniel Horowitz likes to point out you're allowing judges to rule us. You're allowing, you're allowing judges at all levels to make all of the decisions for us. But sure, good judges. That's fine. Um, I don't know, I guess fighting for lower taxes, but they've always been expiring bills. They haven't been explained very well about how they're going to create economic growth, put more money in the hands of entrepreneurs uh, and, and make people's lives better from top to bottom. You have to explain that when you're giving a corporate tax cut. Why on earth is a worker going to feel really inspired by a corporate tax cut? They're not. Doesn't mean it's the wrong policy. It is the right policy to leave more money in the hands of the entrepreneurs and the job creators. But we're not doing a good job. What are we doing? We're subsidizing corporations, whether they're insurers, whether they're banks, whatever it might be. We're doing we're engaging in crony capitalism. We are not shrinking government. We're increasing the size of government. We're not doing our fundamental job of securing the border and doing the basic job of a sovereign nation. And we're sure as heck not doing anything to make sure and maximize that we've got healthcare freedom. And instead, we're playing on their field by doing it. All while we're allowing our men and women in uniform to be sent overseas to fight still ill-defined wars, losing blood and losing treasure when we're not standing up as a country and defining why we're engaging overseas. Why would the American people want to get behind us? I think we need to offer a different vision, a different view as conservatives rooted in freedom, rooted in limited uh, limited government, and making sure that we are giving people a reason to get behind us because we believe that liberty makes people's lives better. Mm. And explain that and sell it and be proud to do it. I've got just a couple minutes left. You brought up the judges for our audience that doesn't know because they're probably really impressed with you and what I'm about to disclose might change their minds. You used to be the deputy attorney general of Texas. Okay. So you've got uh, that dreaded conservative legal background, but I promise you guys, he's, he's one of the good guys on this. Okay. So on Friday, a federal judge made up a constitutional right to a press pass. Chip, at what point mandated castrations, what could, what would they say that some Republican in an executive or legislative position would say, thank you for your opinion. That's that's really all that it is. Appreciate it, though. Thanks. Duly noted. What what could it possibly be in your mind? Why do we keep letting them do this year after year, decade after decade? I think that the real the reason is is that it's easy. Uh, we saw that unfold with the House Republicans, who rather than using their Article One power to stop the subsidies going to insurance companies as part of the Obamacare plan 
chose to go to court instead. Mm-hmm. And so the dirty little secret is this. They went to court because it was easier than trying to figure out how to defund it. Then what happened? They got back power. Mm-hmm. Once they got back power, what did Republicans do? Well, let's go ahead and subsidize the insurance companies that we previously ran to Article 3, that is the judiciary, to ask them to stop because it was politically expedient and beneficial for us to have the courts do that. I think that is a great example. So to answer your question, these are all things that the Republican Party likes to hide behind big statements, but then won't actually you know, step up and do something about it. And you know, whether that's balanced budget amendment, every Republican runs on a balanced budget amendment. Yet what do they do to balance the budget? They run to the hills when you talk about a debt ceiling fight saying, oh, no, we can't shut down the government and be seen talking about trying to balance the budget. Mm-hmm. Instead, they just say, well, gosh, we need to pass a balanced budget amendment because they know it won't happen. Obamacare repeal was the same way. We must repeal Obamacare. They pounded the lecterns. They went around campaigning on it. And then what did they do? They offered Obamacare light. They left the regulations in place. They left Medicaid expansion in place. They left all of the massive spending and increased encroachment on our health care in place. And none of it is going to do anything to drive down the cost of health care. But that didn't matter. I think our job as conservatives is to highlight these things, put them on the record. Don't let them hide in the minority and say, well, when we get back in the majority, trust us, we'll repeal Obamacare. We'll stand up for freedoms. We'll appoint good conservative judges. And instead, we need to, as conservatives, while they're in the minority, Make them take tough positions, continue to lead, figure out what we're going to do to accomplish what we want to accomplish to win minds and hearts of voters. Congressman-elect Chip Roy, good to see you, my friend. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to uh, you and your family, and uh, we will catch up uh, maybe sometime before the holidays, okay? To you too, Steve. I appreciate everything you do, seriously. I mean, I think everybody needs to keep your head up. Freedom wins, freedom sells. We saw inklings of that in this election, and let's uh, carry forward and Hold members accountable. Hold me accountable. Hold the Senate, hold the president accountable. It's our job as freedom-loving Americans to do that. So thanks for everything you do. And uh, uh, I won't pick a side but because uh, Jim Jordan's a friend, but have some fun this weekend with uh, Michigan versus uh, Ohio State. Go Blue. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So when I was down in Dallas a couple months ago on Glenn's show, as we were announcing uh, this new partnership between the Blaze and CRTV, uh, he and uh, Stu were talking about home title lock. And I never heard of this thing called home title fraud or home title theft before. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, those companies that to protect you against identity theft. I've had that for a long time, but turns out this actually isn't a part of what they look out for. And then it kind of made sense to me that thieves would target your, the title to your home because, I mean, that's, that's the most valuable investment, biggest investment most Americans have. Your home equity is probably, for most Americans, most Americans are in a negative savings zone. So if you own a home, your equity might be the only. Uh, nest egg might be the only thing other than an insurance policy. You can't cash unless you're dead. Uh, and then it goes to your loved ones. That might be your only kind of living, uh, you know, piece of uh or living cash pile that you have outside of, you know, uh, making sure the bills get paid every month or every week. And now that all these are online, 
They become particularly easy prey. In fact, Home Title Lock showed me a copy of my own home title with a signature that was not mine because I didn't sign it. But dang, if it didn't look pretty close to it. So this is something you definitely want to look out for. It might be one of those things you're thinking, well, you know, I can't afford the mortgage anyway. Let them have it. Oh, no, they're not paying the mortgage. They are liquidating your equity. So when you go to get that home improvement loan or that second mortgage or uh, that home equity line of credit and all of a sudden it's already spoken for, that's not the kind of surprise you're looking for. If you've got uh, parents, loved ones, or retirees, maybe not the most tech savvy, but they've lived in their home for a long time with a lot of built-up equity, they're especially prime targets here. So check out Home Title Lock for just pennies a day. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title, and that way the instant they detect any sinister activity at all, they're on it helping to shut it down. Your home's title may already be compromised. Find out. Uh, sign up at HomeTitleLock.com for your free title scan and report. That's right, free. Normally, that's a $100 value, but they're giving it away to our listeners and viewers here on the Blaze and Sierra TV right now. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, Todd and Aaron, are you guys w- ready to play some true or false? Oh, Let's go. All right, so th- this one just came up. I've got four of these. But... Michigan star running back Karan Higdon guarantees win against Ohio State. So I went and looked at what this clip was. And he is asked at the podium, his head coach, Jim Harbaugh, famously his senior year. Unprovoked, guaranteed, we're going to go down and beat Ohio State next week. And so he is asked as Michigan's captain, hey, will you do what your coach did? What do you expect a player to say? He didn't walk into the press conference and say, hey, guys, I guarantee we're winning this thing. You're the captain of the team. The press asks you, will you do what your coach did and guarantee a victory? What, don't you think it would be bigger news if you would have said, well, shucks. I don't know. They're pretty good. Right? Is this really that big a news? True or false? It's not that big a news. When asked, do you think you're going to win on Saturday? The team captain says, yeah, I think we're going to win. Is that shocking news, gentlemen? True or false? It is true that the way you framed the question initially, that it is not that big a news. Now, can we move on from Michigan yes. football? <laughs> yeah, you want to play this game? It's Monday. Yes. You want to play this game? Uh, yes. You know, what would have been uh, bigger news is if he would have come up there and said, man, I really regret uh, going back on my commitment to the University of Iowa. Uh, <laughs> nice. There's, there's the bitter, bitter Hawk fan. Nice. Go Badgers. All right, here we go. <laughs> Number. <laughs> Did you say go Badgers? Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Oh, All right, I've got a series of true or false statements. These are all things that have come up over the weekend. And, and this is my take on it. And, I'm, and I, these true false statements are framed, my hot t- immediate hot take, on whether, and the reason I'm throwing these at you guys is I'm wondering if I'm overreacting to them. Okay? All right? Okay. All right, number one. It's hilarious irony to see a Democrat who won the GOP nominate, literally a literal Democrat, won the GOP nomination for U.S. Senate in Mississippi, now get attacked for being a white supremacist by the left. Hilarious irony. That's my immediate hot take reaction to what's happening to Cindy Hyde Smith. I think that's her name. Uh, the uh, Democrat who won the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate with Trump's help in Mississippi, knowing that, that she is going to betray us on virtually everything when she gets elected. 
Watching her now get chewed up and spit out by the fake racism machine, I find to be hilarious irony, but that could be my overreaction. True or false, Todd? True. Welcome to the power of the magic R. That thing's got a wicked kick on it. Uh, it's got course, a bit of a reverb. Of course it's true. And it, it it's because of uh, how the tribalism is so entrenched uh, that there's not even the, the possibility. I mean, there's. It's not. It would be four dimensional. It's just. Well, it's just. Look at how deep they're thinking about this. They're they're providing uh, cover uh, for future under the radar operations by making every. No, 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 no. This is. I mean, really, you can. And it's it's why Donald Trump uh, could end up going full um, Arlen Specter and saying he's a Democrat in this White House. Um, and you would, it would be remarkable. It would, I, I wish it would happen at this point, just because of I, I'd want, I want the veil to drop. I want everybody to see yes. how instantaneously uh, people uh, would be cheering is for him, even though he really fundamentally didn't change much at all, other than his rhetoric in which way it go. But uh, substantively, in terms of policy, no. So of course, I mean, man, that that's the easiest one. I, I they got to get. Is this? The, are you starting with the easiest first? I don't know. It kind of depends. I didn't intend. I, actually, they're in the order of how I hot take tweeted them or Facebooked them once they got me out of Facebook jail. Uh, they kind of just came in the order that I responded to them. So they're not scaled that way. I just, I, I mean, I'm fascinated enough. Did this person think it could possibly happen otherwise? Uh, see, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it is. Because she has all the same views she had as a Democrat, but yes. now a bunch of Republicans in Mississippi are telling us that America ends if if she doesn't win the Senate seat, where she will go and vote like a Democrat on virtually everything. And then while she's voting as a Democrat on virtually everything, the Democrats will say she's a racist white supremacist while voting on the issues in their favor as she was prone to do when she was an actual Democrat. Yes, that's 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 the modern math, and it's perfect. All right, Aaron, true or false? It's true. It's, true. it's that. Um, I mean, basically everything we're talking about here is um, um, a, a wrench being thrown into that uh, Babylon B article the other day. That eighty-two percent of uh, evangelicals said they'd vote for Satan uh, so long as he um, uh, was tough <laughs> on you know uh, illegal immigration. It's it's that the tribalism here. Is that all is tribalism? Tribalism is all. That is all there is here. They just literally switched the name out behind. Um, but they just switched the letter out behind her name. That's all that happened, and all of a sudden she's racist. I mean, it is, it is, it is hilarious. And I would like to, I would like to say, I would like to say that you know maybe she's not racist, and we should stand up for people who are being called racists if they're not actually racist, except that. This is just justice. This is just justice. That's all. Are, that are the Republicans is. really rallying like hard to her cause? Some are. Yeah. So just roll tide. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen that before. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's fascinating. I mean, she's a hardcore rhino until she wins the primary, and then she's a hardcore rhino that has to win or America's toast. Okay. You hate America if you don't you don't vote for her. Yeah, I hate so I I hate America if I vote for her in the primary, and then I hate America if I don't vote for her in the general. Right? That is that that is that how the game is played? It's kind of like the racism game. So pretty much 
So basically, I'm a racist if I won't go along with the Democratic tribalism. And I hate America if I won't go along with the Republican tribalism. Is that really what we're figuring out here? Yes, yes it's somewhere. True or that. false? That's, true, your, true, that's true. the next true or false. Yeah. Yes, okay, true. all right. All right, number two. Condoleezza Rice, as coach of the Cleveland Browns, is ridiculous pandering and shouldn't be taken seriously at any level. True or false? Is this what I want to be true? Is this my truth? Or is this my best attempt in my uh, own flawed human nature to make an objective assessment? Pretend you're a federal judge and just go with what you want. Ridiculous. Oh, okay. Go with what I want. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, No. Boy, this is... This is amazing. Here's what I want to be true. I want this. Oh, well, I think. Uh, By the way, this is a legitimate that, scoop that this, came out yesterday. I know. Yeah. I, I woke up. I'm this not is making the first, this up. I woke up. This is the first thing I saw, and I'm like, oh boy, I need to actually wake up now. This is um, crazy town. Okay, that whatever thing you said right there is true. Here's what I also want to be true. I really want them to, because of that, because of that, I really want them to hire her. Or make an offer to her. Now, she came out apparently yesterday and said, no, I'm not actually going. I really want them to hire her as the football coach just so everybody can see. Just so they can see the result of ridiculous pandering. Team loses yeah. on Sunday. You're a misogynist. and well, She's black, too. So you're a racist misogynist. If you question her. If you her, question her. Because yeah. I was a racist for eight years yeah. when Obama was president because I didn't think it was a good yeah. idea to have more people on food stamps and yeah. the total population of Spain. So yeah. that makes me a racist, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you're just feeding into the patriarchy if you fire her. Um, yeah, she'll, she'll, never, she'll never leave. She'll never get fired. What do you think, Todd? The answer is false. It should be taken seriously but help me with this why under what premise is this serious like she's a how, black woman no but how did it start who's where did this come from adam schefter maybe the number one nfl yes. reporter on planet earth said that the cleveland browns are serious about considering condoleezza rice as a candidate for their head coaching job coach not to, general manager they, and they want no head coaching job they wanted to speak to her about coach. it Coach. And then, general manager, and, maybe. And then the the general manager, your former GM, John Dorsey. Yeah. The general manager of the of the Browns, uh, when asked about it, put out a statement that said they're looking at a wide variety and range and diversity of candidates and and didn't deny it. Uh, this should be taken seriously. And uh because the again, the veil, same answer. We're probably good to say the veil needs to drop. Yes. The stupid is Everywhere we, this is the only way. With, where, Isaiah chapter one, where would you yet be struck? Clearly, we need to be struck in a lot more places. And if in the, if, it, if in the NFL needs this to happen, and everybody looking at each other, and and suddenly uh, Colin Kaepernick looks semi lucid, uh, keep it coming. We 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 are beyond. We can't reason together. We won't reason together. So ultimately, we need to be pummeled with the stupid. March on. You mentioned Colin Kaepernick, you know. So his career went downhill after Jim Harbaugh left, but he still had a quarterback rating of 90 his last year in the NFL. All right. So all these, remember, you know, we started the show off giving you a little tease of what 2019 is going to be like. We're just calling everybody on their BS. All right. All these NFL teams and coaches who talk about, hey, they really respect him for speaking out and everything else. When you're signing, when you're in a playoff race, like the Washington Redskins are right now, 
when you're in a playoff race, when you are all alone in first place in your division for the first time since I was a senior in high school, 21 years ago, when Mark Rippon was having his, you know, flash in the pan MVP season and the Redskins last won their, won their last Super Bowl with Joe Gibbs. That's the last time they were all alone in first place this late in the year. And your starting quarterback gets hurt. And the emergency signing you make today is Mark Sanchez. Mark butt fumble. Yeah, Sanchez. you 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 can you can virtue signal for this for the uh, the the artist formerly known as the six p.m. social justice warrior sports center that everybody got fired off of in six months all you want, but the reality is you're lying to us that you know Colin Kaepernick is ten times the quarterback. Ah, that's maybe going too far. He's clearly a better quarterback than Mark Sanchez. That's not a debatable point I by any metric. I would have loved it though. If the Redskins yes. would have signed Colin Kaepernick. Yes. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, if you're signing him, though, you're not serious about any virtue signaling you've done. And that's, and there have been other quarterback signings as well. I mean, my, De, my Detroit Lions bringing Nathan Peterman, arguably the worst <laughs> starting quarterback in NFL history. Why did he ever for start? For a tryout, okay? You, so when they, when they tell you how great he is, how much they love Kaepernick, they're all lying to you. None of that's true. It's all a lie. Number three. The intent of, Jew, of, of, of uh, prison reform isn't redemption or second chances, but an effort for Republicans to be able to say to the media, see, we're not racists. True or false? True. Moving on. True. <laughs> this is what, again, these are way too easy, man. These are the. Th- well, what you're telling my ego, which let's just be honest, probably doesn't need that much stoking, but what. <laughs> What you're basically telling my ego is, Steve, you should have just gone with your hot take, uh, instant gut level reaction because those were kind of cash money, homie. That's what you're telling me so far. This is like, uh, there's no other reason because when it comes to the hierarchy of values that conservatives are supposed to believe in, this is like when people want to talk to me about legalizing pot. I'd say, you know what? I, I could sit down and have a real conversation with you about that, but here's my list. All right. And at the very least, we need to be talking about this one on top uh, before I throw this one in as, as some kind of uh, a middle ground. There, th- th- This is not where the mind of America is. On, uh, quite frankly, on any side other than pure b- political manipulation, this is not a priority. That, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it, it, it just simply, even for Democrats, it's not a, uh, on, if you talk about policy blindly, now, now, now that this is thrown in their face, of course, they're going to make this the most important thing in the world. But if you come at them blindly and say, what are your, t-? this wouldn't even be on it. This is a joke. And of course, Republicans are so deeply insecure about being liked. Yep. And right now they're back in the losers column. So, you know, maybe need an ego boost. This is, this is fraudulent. How many stories did you hear of uh, uh, from conservative media or conservative Inc. or those on Twitter who are part of conservative Inc.? How many stories did you see after the midterms about, well, uh, Democrats are talking about how many women and minorities uh, look who the Republicans have. You know, they elected this black person and this black person and this uh, minority woman and this. How many stories did you see like that? I saw at least, I don't know, six or seven Mm -hmm. from pretty well-known people. Guys, you're playing the same dang intersectionality game that the left is playing because, for whatever reason, um, you're fine with you're fine with playing along with their Overton window. So, of course, they and this is, happens all all the time, especially amongst the GOP consulting class and and most of the uh, uh, leadership in, in in the Republican Party because 
as we've talked about many times, uh, they're progressives. Yeah, I'm not big into guilt by association. So just because Van Jones likes something doesn't mean it's inherently terrible. No. The odds are high. That's true. But I'm sure Van and I sat down and had put 20 policy things on the table. Maybe one or two we could come to an agreement. I'm a Christian. I'm a sucker for redemption and second chance stories. All of us here on the show probably are to some varying degree. But what causes me concern is when I see Senator Tom Cotton tweet this morning, how come we haven't had one single hearing on this on what's the vetting criteria for who we're going to just let out of what Daniel Horowitz calls jailbreak? That's my concern. Yeah. Is I'd love, I'd love to give, I'd, I'd love to do some redemption and second chances. I'd love it. But the fact that you're not holding hearings to, to, to give me some scrutiny on what the vetting criteria is for who we're letting out and who we're not, that's a red flag. And you know what that red flag tells me? Quick, somebody convinced Don Lemon we're not racist after all, as opposed to what's actually good for yes. the reforming the prison system. And to frame that, your point, another way, this is just the reverse in my mind of what happened to Judge Kavanaugh where there's just an emotional race uh, to make a a, a man guilty with nothing there. Here we have the opposite. I mean, genuinely guilty people and a race to reform in uh, again in the name of what is uh, i don't think if any democrat is being honest it, there's clearly political motivations for what uh, they're trying to accomplish here listen if real justice needs to be had go get it endlessly never stop but come on man, don't pee on us and tell us it's raining that's mm-hmm. not what this is about this is this is more closely linked to what to happen to brett kavanaugh than anything resembling real yeah, justice. we've gone from innocent until proven guilty and guilty without having to prove you're innocent yes. basically yeah um final one quickly last friday donald trump suffered the most humiliating cucking in modern political history when his own judge sided with jim acosta in making up a constitutional right to a press pass true or false true i will accept that Wow, you guys pretty much agreed with me on every one of these. I'm as smart as I thought I was. You are. And I thought I was pretty smart, to be honest with you. You got off on the wrong foot by talking about Michigan, but you rallied. I love me some me. It's the great prophet Terrell Owens once said. Back at it again tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.